let's see if they oh excellent this is on hello and thank you for being here today my name's joe um, and we are continuing on. We've been speaking over the last couple of weeks about the kingdom of God. Bob and John have spoken brilliantly about the kingdom, the mystery and the wonder that is the kingdom of God. Um, and so I've picked out a couple of verses just to remind us of where we got up to um, that, that, that help us understand that the, the good news of the kingdom is what sums up the message of Jesus. So you get that verse in 4.17 that says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. The, the kingdom of heaven is here. And just as Jesus said then, change your mind, repent, change your mind. He's saying that again to us today, I think. Think differently. Rearrange how you see everything because the kingdom of God is here. It's near. <laughs> and this dimension of reality that is, as John said, I think, where God rules and reigns and where what God wants is what gets done that is what is here in the person of Jesus. And that reality is breaking out on earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And that was a shock for them to hear then. And it needs a rearrangement of our thinking. It needs us to turn around and set off in a different direction now as well, I think. And you get in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, again, this other summary where it says, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. This is the good news. It's the good news of the kingdom. And Jesus is both speaking out about it. He's proclaiming it and he's demonstrating it. And here we see that as, as he starts to heal the sick around him. And then if you turn over the page to chapter 6, we get this prayer that many, as, many of us are familiar with around the kingdom of God. This prayer that Jesus tells his disciples to pray is let it come, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let it come, Lord. And then as the rest of the gospel runs, runs on, we are sent as followers of Jesus Christ. We are sent in his name to proclaim and demonstrate the coming of the kingdom of heaven. So first of all, you will spot a little post-it near you, and this is going to be a wake-up for some of you, but um, I, I, my little idea here was that from your knowledge of the scriptures, from your knowledge of your own life, from the things you've heard about or, or um, seen in, uh, in the lives of others, what I want you to do is on that post-it note, either with a person next to you or just sitting on your own, say to that person, what do you think it actually looks like when the kingdom of God comes? comes on earth as in heaven. Because it can be a bit of a sort of concept up there somewhere, and in the end, none of us really quite know what we're talking about. So write down, if you can, on the post-its, three things that you think, what does it look like 
when heaven breaks in, when the kingdom of heaven breaks in, in and around and through us. What have you seen in the scriptures? What have you heard of? What has happened to you or your neighbor as the kingdom of God has broken in on your life? So you might need to, um, if you have no idea what the answer to that is, just, you know, ask the person next to you, see if they have any clues at all. And if you can, write down three things on that post-it. So I'll give you a minute to do that. What does it look like for the kingdom of God to come on earth as in heaven? You may be able to do just three single words. You may want to write a little bit more. So would anyone be willing to shout out one of the things on their piece of paper? Oh, hold on. Joy? Excellent. Restored relationships. No more poverty. Addiction broken. Come on. Equality. No more persecuted church. No more war. Justice. Justice. Unity. Forgiveness. Changed lives? Yes. No more sickness. Pardon? Oh, sick people healed. Yes. Amen. You what? Personal peace or person of peace? Person of peace. Yeah. Amen. Oh man, anyone else? Oh, you what, sorry? People set free, people saved. Yeah, people given value, valued for who they are. Yeah, wow, well we could go on, couldn't we? But um, I think that is an excellent sign that we actually know what it looks like or what it might look like for the kingdom of God to show up on earth. And in the passage that we just heard, we're being asked to pray, aren't we? So my little idea was that you tuck that post-it note into a bag or you go home and put it where you clean your teeth. And then as you go through this week, when you bump into a person or you bump into a situation where you know that the kingdom of God needs to break out, the kingdom of God needs to come, then I wonder whether those words might help you to pray for that, more of that, more of that justice, more of that equality, more of that healing, more of that freedom, more of the saving power of Jesus to come in in that person's life and in that particular circumstance. And so we pick up from these readings that we are asked to pray for the kingdom of God to come. We are being asked to proclaim, to speak out about the kingdom of God. 
and we're being asked to demonstrate the kingdom of God coming. And it's interesting to think that somebody praying somewhere this week for a particular person or for a particular situation, that the kingdom of God would come, that they would know what it is to be set free from an addiction, that they'd know what it is to be transformed, to know what it is to to be loved, that they matter. Their prayer may be there for you to be part of an answer to it. So as you proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom in one spot, someone else may well be praying for that very moment. So it's something we do together as the church. So I want to make two points, hopefully, um, about this thing about what it means to speak out, to proclaim the kingdom of God. I want to make two points about speaking out about the kingdom of God. And one has to do with the heart and one has to do with the head. And I was listening into a conversation this week and it began to, God, I think, began to stir up something in me. And this conversation was somebody who absolutely loves tacos. Now, I scarcely know what a taco is. Nacho, taco, it's all the same to me. But apparently, there was this place near where he lived during the lockdown, and it was the most amazing taco restaurant. And he was saying things like, oh, this particular taco with this filling was to die for. He literally said, it's to die for. And then he said, if you didn't go there, you should go there. Because if you haven't been there to have this taco, then you haven't lived. And then he said, do you know, my friend really upset me because they went past this place over lunchtime. They saw a queue outside this taco restaurant and they said, oh, they weren't going to bother. And they went on by and he was like devastated. And he said, that's such a bad mistake. He said, they hadn't understood that the line, the queue is part of the experience. He said, what happens when you go there every lunchtime? You begin to meet the same people, you make friends, they start chatting, probably about tacos. And he said, then they send the staff from the taco restaurant, they send them down the queue to sort of help get get a drink for people and help them wait well and cheer them up in life generally. And, uh, and he said, the queue, the queue is all part of it. And he said, even the waiting just tells us all that there's something good coming, that it's something worth waiting for. And, and that conversation reminded me of another incident which happened a few years ago when we were picking up a key for a holiday house in Cornwall. And the owners of this house said, just to warn you, When you go and pick up um, the key, we keep it with this elderly gentleman who lives around the corner, but they said, it won't be long before he starts talking to you about trains, because he is just mad about trains. So they said, when you need to go, you know, just, just in advance, we're just giving you a warning, you'll need to ease yourself out, because he'll be speaking to you about trains. So we went round the corner, uh, knocked on the door, asked for the holiday key, and when we said we're from Exeter, It took about two seconds before he began to tell us everything about the branch lines that had closed, other lines that had apparently opened up, and even better, trains that he had seen in and around Exeter. And it was clear that this man was willing to get up early, get a flask of tea, in the drizzle, in the dark, he was willing to wait for a train. And the magnificence of that engine 
was worth every second of the wait. And so it was, it was, I don't know, I just started to ponder this idea of something both being, well, people being passionate to talk about something that they love, and also that the waiting is just all part of it, because the thing itself is so worth the wait, it's so worth the cost that you might have to pay to glimpse this magnificent engine or to taste this taco that is worth living and dying for, apparently. And it stirred something up in me and a wondering, as we speak about the kingdom of God, that whether I need to sort of wake up my own heart again, not for the love of tacos, not for the love of trains, but for the love of the kingdom of Jesus. And I wonder whether we, we need a little revival of our own hearts a reminder of who we are and what it is we are carrying as people of the kingdom. And I wonder if we ourselves need to have a reminder of the nearness of the kingdom of God to you and me. Because Jesus came and said, I need you to see this. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is breaking out in me. And I wonder if our hearts need a little bit of a reignition around that. Because in fact, the kingdom of God comes to us in all its beauty, in all its goodness, in all its rightness, in all its glory, in all its freedom, in all its power to sacrifice ourselves in all its power to enable us to forgive. (coughs) People around us coming out of this time may be changed, I think, forever. I think our nation will be different coming out of this extraordinary time. People seem to me more lost and more confused, more shattered, more divided, more despairing. And it makes me wonder again when, whether the church is being given this gift to speak about the kingdom. And as our hearts are stirred again, as we position ourselves near Jesus, as we tuck ourselves in again near him, and as we remember and call to mind the nearness of the kingdom of God to us, I think our courage will be stirred up, our determination, our sheer wonder and excitement that like some of these chaps I've spoken about, We won't be able to speak about anything else. (laughs) And I wonder as well, what, what has silenced the church? Even before the pandemic, does the church go quiet for fear of rejection? For fear of accusation, for shame maybe, for feeling that we no longer have a voice because of some of the ways the church has got it horribly wrong in the past. Is it fear of ridicule? Is it just exhaustion? 
Is it confusion? Is it distraction? Is it that we are carrying our own doubts about our own faith? We need a revival of the heart. Because around this idea of the proclamation of the kingdom, it was never Jesus' idea to leave it to a few evangelists. It was never his idea to leave it to the theologians or the church leader or, or just people who are loud mouths. <laughs> it was never the idea to rely on institutions or to rely on grand buildings to draw people in to the kingdom of God. Because if you read on in Matthew, you begin to see that Jesus says things like, the kingdom of God is a bit like someone sowing seeds. And seeds are small and they're multiple, but they're packed with life. <coughs> and we see in the story of Acts that what started with 12 and then 72, and then when the disciples are meeting at Pentecost, it's 120. But did you know that 300 years later, 30 million people were following Jesus? 30 million people had said yes to coming into his kingdom, coming under his rule, and had said yes to seeing his kingdom come and being a part of that on earth as it is in heaven. So there isn't a plan B for Jesus. You, you are it, we are it. You and me pursuing these opportunities, these chances to sow the seeds of the kingdom. So our hearts might need a revival today. And it isn't just a heart thing. So I want to take a moment to talk about our thinking. How do we think well about the kingdom of God? Because it's quite a hard thing to think about, I think. Now, some of you will have heard of one of the founders of the Bible Project, Tim Mackey. He has done a phenomenal video on the Bible Project, uh, which you can look up freely um, around on the, on the topic of the kingdom. And in that little video, he contrasts the truth about the gospel of the kingdom of God with what many of us were brought up believing. And he says he thinks it's what many outside of the church think we think. So stay with me here. I'm going to try and, and tell you that, that scenario. So... Um, um, yes, and I have my trusty iPad, which I'm going to try talk about technophobe. I'm going to try and draw something on this iPad. So he says, and don't leave halfway through, because this is the first scenario. This is the one he thinks we've moved on from and is actually in many ways misleading. So he thinks some of us were, oh, were brought up with the, oh, yeah, the idea that there's the earth, and there's me. And this is me living my life. And there are some ups and downs. And basically, you know, I know I, you know, there are times when I'm doing well. There are times when I fail dismally. Um, but, you know, if that's me, more or less. He says most of us live our lives and we 
think when either the, the, the curtains close on history or when we die, that we go to one of two places. One heaven, oh, they both begin with H. <laughs> Hadn't thought that through. Okay, that one is heaven. Okay, then you get, you get all these caricatures, don't you, around heaven and hell, heaven. Let's think, harps, clouds, pearly gates, perhaps. And then hell, we think sort of medieval torture chamber, probably underground, and, and something around God, like stoking up the fires uh, to punish people who, who got it wrong one way or another. <clears throat> now, if we take those caricatures off, then there's still a question around, is that misinformation? Is that misinformation? Let me tell you why I think it is misinformation. And that is uh, because one, I don't think it lines up with the Bible story. And two, I don't think it lines up with Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. So what could an alternative be? What could a better story? What is the actual gospel of the kingdom? If you turn to page one in your Bible, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. And if we think of heaven as we've been trying to talk about, the kingdom of heaven, where the presence of God is unmediated, where God can be fully known, where what he wants is what's happening. So justice and goodness and love and belonging. So if you get this realm that is um, heaven, God created the heavens, and then in the beginning we get this picture that God also created the earth. And the point is that they are like two dimensions, two realms, two spaces where one is God's space and then one is God delegating rule and reign and representation on the earth. But those spaces are united together so that human beings get to know God in an unmediated way. They get to be with him fully. They get to flourish as he intended as human beings. And they get to know that they matter. They know they belong. So then we know, don't we, from that story that human beings don't choose to trust into God's goodness. They don't choose to let him be king of the kingdom. They decide to make themselves um, king of the kingdom. And those two realms are pushed apart. They are torn apart. So the earth and heaven are no longer United, They're no longer one. And what happens in that story is that you begin to see jealousy and hatred and violence and insecurity. That is sort of hell on earth. But in the story, God continues to pursue us, to show us himself, to remind us of what it is that's been lost 
He invites us back into relationship. And you all know that if you've read through the Old Testament. You'll see the different ways that he pursues us and reminds us what's been lost and invites us back in. But then God in Jesus comes and makes his dwelling among us. He heals people and he sets people free and he says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So in the person of Jesus, heaven is breaking out in the earthly realm, if you like. And then in the cross and the resurrection, and the resurrection is not just someone being raised from the dead. It is eternal life being brought into the present. This changes history. It changes the game altogether. And Jesus sets something running through what he accomplishes on the cross and by rising again from the dead, he sets something running that enables the reunion of the heavens and the earth. And he fixes the final result, if you like. He breaks the power of everything that corrupts and destroys and separates, everything that invites us into hell. And he invites us into a future. And and, and the best place you get a great description of that is in Revelation 21, when you get to see that the heavens and the earth as Sam's already said, are reunited. A future where heavens and earth are once again united, where God is fully ours and we are fully his and we know him and he rules and reigns and there's no suffering, no sickness. Tears are wiped away once and for all and death is no more, says Revelation 21. So that at the end, we're being told the heavens and the earth are once again reunited and made new. And where we are is in the overlap. Where we are is in the overlap. So in the first scenario, we were thinking that we might get into heaven sometime away in the future. But what God is thinking is that he is breaking in with heaven now. And he's thinking about how to get heaven into us now, not about how we might get into heaven at some point in the future. In that first scenario, we're thinking about how to stay out of hell away in the future. But God, but God in Jesus is at work to get get the hell out of us. We're not waiting to die and hoping that heaven will be our final destination. In God, in Jesus Christ, God is breaking in and heaven is breaking out in the here and now. And that is why it is so astonishing that Jesus should be there. 
saying the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near because in him it has been brought into the present. It has broken in to um, earth once again. So in that overlap, if you like, there's a sort of thing going on something like that. And I'll put that because it reminds us that it is in and through Jesus that that has been accomplished and that we're heading back towards a heaven and an earth where we are fully known by God and he is fully known by us. We are his, he is ours. There's no more sickness, no more death, no more tears, no more um, crying. But in that middle bit, in the overlap, there's sometimes a struggle, isn't there? There's a contending for that end result. And it can be costly. There's a waiting. And it sometimes looks as if that end result is being contended, so there has to be a trusting. He's still asking us to trust into his goodness and to let him be the king of the kingdom. And so two things, I suppose, or no, three things I will say before we end about the kingdom. On the one, on the one hand, we see in Jesus, it is now. It is now. So that as we go about this week proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God, we can expect it to break in now. And we are asked to keep praying for more. We're asked to keep praying, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. That was number two. And number three is that we live in this sure hope that his kingdom has come, his kingdom is coming, and his kingdom will come. We live then in this sure hope. That the kingdom will come in all its fullness. And this is good news. This is the good news of the kingdom. Hopefully, it's what we live out of and what we live in. And one of the things I'd love us to do is just let, let the Holy Spirit revive our hearts as to who we are, what we carry, what he's called you to be and do and I wonder whether for the church this is a really, a really extraordinary time because those things that goodness, that justice that love, that mercy, that forgiveness is what in our hearts of heart our heart of hearts we're all longing for we were all made for it. So let's stand for a moment, shall we, if you may, if you can. And let's um, give the Holy Spirit just a moment to ask us what that might look like for us. I don't know if you feel your heart has just gone into survival mode over this COVID time for many of us. <laughs> we're, we're a bit uh, out of fuel 
So let's just pray for a moment that we will be refueled, that we will be set on fire again for the kingdom. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we speak to our own hearts. Lord, would you in your mercy warm them up, (laughs) warm them up. Lord, would you speak to our hearts where we need to know personally that your kingdom is near.